Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob. I'm one of your hosts, Peter Madrigal. Hey, guys, and I'm Rob Federick. I'm Rob Schulte. Dudes, we're here. It's the middle of October, and I'm scared to death. Oh, are you scared? Because I'm, like, terrified right now. (laughs) I am ready to scream, guys, because (laughs) we have just watched... I think, Rob, it's one of your favorite horror movies. It's definitely one of my favorite horror oh, movies. Oh, definitely one of my favorite horror If movies. not my favorite horror movie of all time, for sure. We are reviewing... In case I didn't give it away. Yeah. Scream! Uh, woo! <laughs> <laughs> a 1996 uh, classic and a movie for movie lovers. So perfect for the podcast. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. What, actually, you're so right. What a, what a perfect movie. To fit in a podcast about movies. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I agree totally and completely. I uh, I was, I, so guys, I, I rewatched it last night just because I hadn't seen it in a while. And I like to refresh my mind with it. Uh, and I watched it with a girl that had never seen Scream ever. So it was wow. kind of like watching it for the first time. But I used to watch this movie like a ton. I owned the VHS tape. I used to watch it like at least three or four times a week. And it's been a long time, so I felt like I was re like it was like almost like revisiting an old friend. Yes. At the yeah. same time, kind of experiencing it through different eyes now that I'm older and everything. And I just gotta say, man, I still love this movie. What would you call same. it? Would you say it? Well, I definitely want to say it now. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, to a movie that is if you have not seen this movie, <laughs> you have to punch yourself in the face. Actually, maybe grab a knife and stab yourself a little bit. <laughs> Uh, because uh, this is definitely we're back to a punch yourself in the face movie guys this is the I think Rob would you agree this is like the reboot of the flash of the slasher or modern day slasher uh, flick absolutely I I think that it it, you know obviously we're going to get into it but like it plays with everything you know and what you think you know it has fun with the genre and they brought in Wes Craven to direct it so how could you not get back into the slasher you know vibe he almost didn't direct it though guys yeah exactly he almost didn't direct it which is kind of weird to me that's why I can't like I know that you know there's a reboot coming up but the thing is is that all four of the Scream movies were directed by Wes Craven. And now that he's died, rest in peace. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I don't really want to see another Scream movie that's not directed by Wes Craven. You know? Now, well, counterpoint to that, Peter. Yeah. The, if I'm going to be looking on the positive sides of things, uh, and I, God, my fingers are crossed here. I want to see the movie because the person who will be directing it has so much to live up to that they have to know that people are going to be scrutinizing every detail. Well, who's yeah. The, who's the new director, guys? Ooh, I'm not sure if they announced it. Let well, me see. Well, that's just like Joe Johnson directing Jurassic Park 3 after Steven Spielberg directed yeah. Jurassic Park in The Lost World. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, that, you know, it's been, what, it's been 24 years now. So, I mean, it that was Ooh. weird to me, too, man, when I was watching it last night and just kind of reminiscing because this movie... On the 90s? Only, yeah. Reminiscing on the 90s? I remember I had a VHS tape version of this, and it was the Same. unrated version, by the way. So I that was the first experience I had with Scream was the unrated version, which to me, appar- apparently it was like what would have been the NC-17 rating. It was a lot more violent. Like, I didn't think it was overly violent and gory. Uh-huh. You know, apparently a lot of people did. 
But then when I watched the original theatrical cut, I was like, wait, why are they cutting out all of this stuff that's in the movie? And I thought it was just because HBO couldn't show it or something. Yeah. But at the end of the day, no, that was the theatrical cut of the movie. They watched wow. it down. But I just remember being enamored. Like, it, it's just a movie about movies in general. And it, I think Scream did actually have some sort of fuel for me to become a director as well. Wow, that's that's, that's incredible. Awesome but before we get into any of this, Rob, will you want to yes. do the honors? Do you have do you, I, I got Do you have the original VHS? I'll bet you you do. I have the VHS. Can you hear it? Shake oh it yeah, I can. Oh, man, I <laughs> lost mine. I'm so jealous. Uh, well, I, I have a story behind this VHS tape. I'll tell you guys in a sec. But let's just flip it over and see what the back has to say. Um, a crowd-pleasing smash hit with a sizzling cast. Critics are calling Scream the hippest thriller of the year. After a series of mysterious deaths, a seemingly peaceful community becomes a place where no one is safe and everyone is suspect. That's when an offbeat group of friends rally to unlock the town's deadliest secrets and get caught up in a lively mix of thrills, chills, and surprises, featuring an all-star talent including Drew Barrymore, Courtney Cox, Nev Campbell, and David Arquette. Oh, let's not forget Skeet Ulrich. Uh, it's a strikingly original and entertaining motion picture which delivers nonstop edge-of-your-seat excitement and fun! Woo! Yeah, it, it, it's, you know, it is. It is fun, but well, it's also I, I, terrifying. By the way, I was, I was wondering, did you throw in Skeet or is Skeet on the back? Um, I threw in Skeet. There we I go. go. I, I knew say, it. I, I was knew it. Say, can, you, can you please say the poor man's Johnny Depp, by the way? Because that's oh, what he yeah, was Oh, yeah, and they know for. it. They know it going into this. Guys, I yeah. watched the director's commentary, and it was so the Blu-ray I have of Scream. Wow. Sorry, I didn't watch the VHS. Uh, it, oh, you didn't go I, traditional. Yeah. I, I didn't. I wanted to see it in widescreen. Nice, um, nice. It the commentary on the Blu-ray has Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson, who is the writer. Right. And just you know, I, I'm a nerd and I'm sure you guys are too. I love directors' commentaries. It's harder and harder these days mm -hmm. to get them, you know, unless it's provided by Apple or something. Right. But like through um, streaming, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, through streaming. And man, there was just so much about this movie that, like you said, Rob, I owned it. I watched it all the time growing up. I have a particularly amazing story of hearing about this movie for the first time. I but think, like, do we all have good stories about it? Because yeah, I'm I sure. got like at least two or three really like solid stories that are that tie yeah. into this movie. Really, Peter, yeah. when did you see it for the first time? Man, I saw it. I saw it when I was in uh, high school. I kind of became obsessed with it while I was in high school, and it, this was what back in the back in the. Uh, early 2000s because my, my parents were like Roman Catholic right. so I wasn't allowed to see Same. it when it first came out right. but I saw it once I got to high school I was like I'm gonna go watch this at a friend's house and oh my I was enthralled and one of the things that I really really love about the movie itself is is the way it's shot I like that especially with horror films I like that mm -hmm. grainy that grainy look that that you know that film old school film look to it well, you know, shot. yeah, it was back I, I, in the I, days that, of film. Yeah, exactly, and that's why I don't appreciate a lot of horror films these days because they look too clean. You know, I mean, I, I'm going to say this outright. You know, me as a filmmaker, I love the evolution of film, but I'm going to tell you honestly that I don't think there's a period that comes close to movie making than the '90s. Like, yes, I think it's an I agree. The '90s was a golden age of movies that people don't talk about because. 
I don't know, it's kind of caught in between two distinct periods, but the 90s had some amazing movies, man. Like, yes. There and, is something, sorry. Yeah, no, go for it. Well, there is something that, I mean, I could agree completely, and there was something that really stuck out to me, like listening to Wes and Kevin talking about it, but like, I'm going to take it even further. Yeah. They They said the same thing, like 90s was like a playground, and they got to do some like new and innovating stuff, but having like the 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 comfort and the knowledge of everything that had come before it right. but this is a millennium film yeah and there's always this idea of like when you're reaching the end of a decade an end of a century a millennium that like something is looming yeah. and whether yes. or not like the intention is there it's in the air when they're creating this film and when it's released that like we are at the end of something and we do not know what's coming next. And I think that goes, it goes for Scream 100%. Yeah. But I think it, it plays into this idea of filmmaking in the 90s, you know? Yes. You've got but 10 years it, left. Think about it this way too. Like, I, and I was saying this to, uh, to the girl I was watching the movie with last night. I was like, this movie isn't just a, a slasher film it's a slice of americana like we're looking at a period in time where like video stores were iconic like the blockbuster yes. Yes. you know you would go and you rent a movie they talk about it in the in scream like like she's like oh i was thinking about going to rent a video that's like what a one uh one thing that drew barrymore says at the beginning and then like uh randy works at the video store and like it's it's like kind of like the subculture of movie love and everything, and it was just something that for me as a film like young aspiring filmmaker, obviously like like got me hooked. But then it it just I just remember like the high school teenagers, the slasher film, like the comedy aspect of it, like all of it. It was just something that it it, it had never been done like this before. Oh, I agree with you. But the thing for me, the way it speaks to me is it is a it it is a part of Americana that you know it's probably lost. Yeah. Uh, uh, in the '90s, everything seemed very, very, very nice, and and everything's optimistic. Every, yeah, everything's optimistic. Oh yeah. yeah. But there's some undertone in there, like in this movie or in uh, American Beauty, which right. we should take a look at one of these days, where there's something going on underneath that nobody's noticing, yeah, or nobody wants to acknowledge. I think you you hit it right on the money there. You know, everyone wants their everyone wants their 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 tranquil. American dream, right? And that's you know that can be unattainable sometimes, especially with something going on underneath. Well, it's kind of like uh, Pleasantville came out in yes. the nineties too. It's like you look back in the nineteen fifties and like suburban parents are generally like, "Well, what a good good time!" And then right, you look right. at the whole other culture of America that's like, actually, the fifties kind of sucked. And so yeah, I exactly. think what you're talking about is that I, I agree completely. Like, there's always like a uh, 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 something over the top that if you just break down that wall, you'll realize that there is always going to be corruption yeah. and getting to the bottom of that. And this, right. I just, that is so awesome to say because this is a representation of that. Like small towns can be good, but just the wrong course of action and like some kids can go crazy or, you know, anything like and that. I, and I wow. mean, I think that's what makes it even more terrifying because when I first watched this movie, I, like I said, I wasn't a horror film fan, like 100%. Like, I always liked Halloween and horror stuff, but, you know, I was I was too much of a, you know, I was, I was a young kid. I was afraid to watch scary movies. And I originally rented, I know what you did last summer because I had read that book in high school. So I was like, all right, maybe this is the safer bet. 
And then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll watch Scream after because somebody in my school had told me that they watched Scream and that they loved it. And they, they kind of described the concept to me. And in my head, I pictured this like really dark, horrifically depressing movie about a killer that calls people and asks them questions and like tortures. I wasn't expecting the fun thrill ride that I was going to watch with yes. Scream. So I finished. I know what you did last summer. And I was like, oh, that's pretty good. All right, let's watch Scream now. And I was like, fuck, I know what you did last summer, man. Scream is <laughs> yes. so much better. Yes. Like, I was blown away. I, was, I enjoyed it. It was not the movie that I was expecting. It was thrilling. It was fun. It was scary. It was everything. It had everything. Well, so. you know what? It's funny because, like, Rob, when you text, um, you texted over, I l- love this movie. You know, what's funny is that on my note cards, before I even texted that, when I was watching that movie the night before, I wrote down on my note cards, I love this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I love Scream. Scream's probably one of my favorite movies of all time. And that that says a lot because, you know, it's, you know, Empire, Gladiator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's it's off of the beaten path for what we've watched previous that you've said you loved, you know? Exactly, yes. You know what's funny is that this movie was originally titled Scary Movie. Yeah. Yeah. Can you believe that? It was called Scary Movie. And then I, I obviously think that's why they called it Scary Movie to kind of make the parodies of it. Yes. Uh, yeah. But I just thought, but it would have been a fitting title. I just think Scream, I don't know, it just stands out. Well, it has a, a 90s I like. Feel. I like how the killer in the movie sneaks that title in there. What's your favorite scary movie? Right. <laughs> yeah. right, right. So let's jump also into it. Also sneaks so, in Scream. Yes. Yeah. So we got we got this opening sequence with the beautiful Drew Barrymore when she was like young and like you know kind of a big star. Was she a draw at that point in time? She was that, a huge draw. Was she yeah. at that point in time? She at was a that huge point draw. in time, she had she was so, a huge draw. So yeah. that's how this movie was sold on her name. Well, she was. Supposed well, I think they wanted star. her to be Sydney. Yes, they originally wanted her to be Sydney, and wow. she was like, "No, I want to do this, but I think it would be better if I was this Casey. person at the beginning." Who, yeah, yeah Casey, who like. Well, of course, Drew Barrymore's not going to die. Right. You know? She said she wanted to do it because it would be interesting to subvert audience audiences' expectations. So they marketed the movie with Drew Barrymore on the poster, she's, she's on the, on the trailer, on the cover of the movie. Of the cover. Yeah, they made it look like she was going to star in this, and they pulled kind of a psycho aspect where we thought Janet Lee was the star of this movie. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, she lasted a lot less than Janet Lee, but <laughs> I think it, it's what makes that opening scene so shocking. And the fun, funny fact is that my mother, who is not a horror movie fan at all, uh, was kind of concerned that I was this young kid watching Scream, and she only watched that opening scene, and that was enough for her to be like, "Nope, I can't do it anymore." You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a brutal scene, and like it is, it really it is. sets the tone for the movie. But you know, like a lot of times, a a movie teaches you how to watch the movie, and that is oh, one of those things yeah. where it's like you don't know what you're going to expect because it already subverts your thoughts of horror movies knowing that you know the killer is like what's your favorite scary movie okay so these people know about halloween and jason and freddy um and like even in i'm venturing into your territory rob but like when they're following drew barrymore with the camera she's like backing out of the house you kind of want to know who she's looking at when she takes the mask off well, yeah. yeah. Well, she and pulls also, it off. Yeah, like, yeah. She oh. manages to get it off, off, and they pan the camera. Up that that scene always got me. That opening, even today, when I was watching it's it so on good. Tuesday night, it still got me. 
You know? How many people yeah. bought Jiffy Pop after that first scene, by the way? <laughs> I know I did. I totally bought Jiffy Pop because of it. You, you have to understand, too. Like, I watched this movie in Latin America, right? Like, I think it was like two weeks before I was moving back to the United States. And I hadn't lived in the United States for like years, right? So, wow. to me, it was like when I got back and it was like, you know, New Jersey in the 90s. And, and then it was like Halloween. So, you'd go to the mall and the Halloween stores were opening up. And everything, it just reminded me so much of Scream in general. Like, I, I identified a lot with the culture scary of that movie. movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Oh, I actually I had know. the ghost face mask <laughs> before, <laughs> <Really>? way before <laughs> the movie actually came out. Because it was a generic costume. Well, what made them want to use the ghost face mask? Uh, the no. location scout. Was yes, the location founded? Yeah, he found it in a shop, and he's like, "Wouldn't this be cool?" And they went with it. And uh, I remember because when I saw the picture of it, I was like, "Wait, I I have that mask." No and kidding. It became yeah. Then it became Ghostface. Wow. And originally, the robe was going to be all white too because they had just titled it Ghostface. They didn't know what the costume was. They found that, right. and they're like, "Oh, a white face popping out of like dark cloaks." Yeah, that no, is. No, no, no. So terrifying. Yeah, because I didn't have the cloak, just the mask. It, I think it was yeah. just the mask that you would find. Yeah. Yep. Damn. And wow. it glowed in the dark, by the way. It was really freaky. Oh, wow. <laughs> the the big part about this, because you know, we're trying to we talk about the movie is like, you know, we get this opening scene, and then it is essentially a who done it because all of these co- or high school kids start right. getting picked picked off. But on top of that, I think and I think that this is what really makes it, you know. We all know spoilers that there's two killers in the end, yes. but but this is um, a whodunit that builds a backstory, right. and you don't get such a, or at least in my experience, I haven't known a horror movie before this to build such a like lore and such a reasoning for at least Billy to want to be a killer, right? But we're painted in this backdrop of like still like it keeps us guessing like is the killer one of the people that we are learning about is it somebody that we don't know like we didn't know anything about it but then what i thought was kind of striking was that it incorporated humor in such a brilliant way to tie the story together in a certain way like it it gave you relief from like the tense moments that it made it fun to want to keep watching and I hadn't seen that formulaic balance in a movie and and it proves true like they said you know one of the main things is that if you create great tension also you you should relieve it with great humor because it'll give you that up and down of emotion are you are you, you talking want. about that uh, that scene with all all the uh, all the kids Every, in front of the fountain fountain and it's like oh, right away it's like scene. live her alone and live her alone better live her alone <laughs> live her alone By the way, guys, and I know I criticized Friday the 13th for this. Yeah. A testament for a good movie is not referring to the characters by the by the actual actor's name. 
A testament to like you got Billy, you got Stu, you got Sydney, you got uh, Tatum, wow, you got true. Randy. Yeah. You know, you're not referring to Randy as uh, Jamie Kennedy or Nev Campbell. Right, you know what I mean? Right. You're referring yeah. to them as their character, and that like you're not you never. Well, I believe them. I for, believe for those instance, guys, with, those with characters. Harrison Ford, you never refer to Harrison Ford in the movie of Star Wars. You can't refer to Miss Han. Yeah. You know, so that is yeah. a testament to a good film. When you actually refer to the characters as by their character names, yeah, you know, wow, Casey, good Casey, point. Casey dies at the beginning. It's yeah. not Drew Barrymore; it's Casey. Yeah, well, you know, it, it was. I mean, the, again, you believe these characters like you want to kind of hang out with them. Like I remember, like I was absorbed by Matthew Lillard. Man, I thought he was hilarious. <laughs> he was so cool. You know, I was like, man, Liver I want to be alone. like this guy. Liver alone. It was. It was a joke. By the way, he totally dated Nev Campbell when they made that movie. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, they dated for a bit. Wow. It's kind of interesting. I thought something that struck out to me watching it this time that I had never noticed before is the sight lines and the way of people's shifty eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yes. we haven't even touched on that the Fonz, Henry Winkler, yeah. plays the principal in yeah. this movie. But, like, he was so over the top yet like realistic and just a little too touchy you know like he'll touch nev campbell's face and then the police chief in just like a split second of a scene like gives him a little glare yes and then you it like it's almost like a subliminal message to be like start thinking about the principal as the killer or like, why did the police chief notice this? Well, speaking you of know, things that were shocking to me, well, and they do it with music, well, too, yeah. Oh sure. yeah. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, Marco Beltrami was the the score is amazing. They, by Marco. they definitely play it in moments to give you to to like keep you guessing. Like they they put they use music to throw suspicion on certain people, just like they use that shifty eye yeah. technique. It's really imp- interesting. It's what, impressive. Well, one thing that shocked me. And I think this was a, uh, a a directorial choice by Wes. But one thing that shocked me was the human highlighter in the uh, opening scene, uh, aka uh, Gail Weathers, aka Courtney Cox. <laughs> yeah. Like, what was she? What was that? I know that that was a specific style that they chose because they wanted her to stand out out of all of the other reporters that were at the high school right, at the beginning. Right. But my God, what is with the human highlighter looking? Like, uh, we're talking dress. about her blind, blind. The, the, oh, no, the, the dress, the, 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 yellow, the, the green, yeah. yeah. Highlighter it was the nineties too, man. You gotta understand. Yeah, but 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 <laughs> nobody else. But if you notice, nobody else yeah. dresses like that in the entire movie. It also feels like exactly what Gail would choose. Like right. you were True. saying, Rob. Yeah. Right. Right. But but still, I mean, I think they because if you notice throughout the rest of the movie, she's not she's dressed more in down colors, but but. In that one, the opening scene, there's the, it's. I think it's a very interesting choice that they decided to have people focus on her because uh, you're already introduced to um, Sydney, you're already introduced to Tatum, you're introduced to all these people, but they wanted us to focus on the reporter for some reason, you know? Right. Wow. Yeah. Who ends up being like a really huge character throughout the series. And she was also a big draw, too, because remember, she was jumping off of Friends, Friends uh, who was big. You know, this was a big movie for her. Um, And yeah, can you think of another movie that a Friends star was in that is nearly as huge as this? I mean, I mean, Romy and Michelle's high school reunion is not Scream. Um, I invented post-its. You're kidding. You must have made a fortune. Well, yeah. You know, ironically enough, I met David Arquette maybe I I used to go to like eight years ago. Uh, He's a cool dude. And I I told him, I was like, man, 
Uh, I got to first know you in Scream, and I gotta say, man, like that is. And he was very humbly like grateful for that comment. I feel like he, I don't know if he hates him. You know, you know, some people get pigeonholed to the role or whatever. But I felt sure. like he was just like a happy, happy guy. And I remember just going like, man, this is this is a cool moment in my life where like I get to actually meet one of the stars of these, yeah. you know, the movies that I really, really loved growing up. Man, it was it was interesting. I uh, met him. I met him at Boots and Bellows, the uh, club that he owned. Yeah, right. But um. Uh, couple years later i think i think it was 2016 um i was invited to a theater performance uh over there on uh vine hollywood and vine there's a theater over there on uh right underneath yucca over here in hollywood and he was the lead in a stage play of sherlock holmes wow he played Sherlock. Whoa. Yes. Wow. And it was the most terrible thing I've ever seen. Courtney Cox was there. Oh man. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> it was one of the worst performances. I had to go and watch the the the, the Robert Downey Jr. movies afterwards. Oh, the really? two Sherlock Holmes. That's movies. saying something. Yeah. Wow. I needed to get a, I I was like, you know, because it was he couldn't remember any of his lines. Right. He couldn't. Oh, re- no. Oh, yeah, dude. And then oh, he maybe. was not invested in the character and he was trying to pull off this English accent that was just Terrible. I mean, just uh, terrible. I don't know. Yeah. You know? I mean, he, uh, but let's, let, you know, let's talk a little. So, you know, obviously we've gotten to the point where Casey's been dead. It was, it was been killed. The, the report, they're talking about, you know, possibly there being a killer on the loose and stuff. They're in, they're interrogating all the students and stuff. Uh, and then, you know, we meet deputy Dewey, who is like this, just like goofy character, man. But like, you know, I'm wondering why they did that choice. Initially when I saw it, I was like, is it because they want to throw suspicion off of him because he may be the killer? Like the idea is that like every time that I met a new character in this movie, it subverted my expectations. Like I wasn't expecting any of the characters to be the way that they were, except for maybe like Tatum. You know what I mean? Because you get her yeah. vibe right away. Um, Randy, ironically, you 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 start to evolve because like he starts to carry the the movie's theme in a way about you know. A movie be you know the rules of the horror movie kind of guiding this real life uh you know roller coaster that we're on and stuff and it, it was just it, i just thought all the characters were so interesting in this movie yeah even the small characters like the chief is all is a, yeah like a, he's a smart ass when they bring billy in to question him for the first time they're like oh, why don't you check the phone records yeah, okay yeah we'll we'll do that you yeah. know what i mean he's such a thanks we got thanks this. we got that thank you yeah you know uh, that's what you when the te- again, going back to the testament of good movie is like when you can remember lines from like or remember faces from every single character within the film. That's the testament it's of so a good, good, man. A good. It's so good. And like film. you said, the, there's style to the characters because even Henry Winkler, who you know is known for being like the most badass on television, you know what I mean, like the biggest badass on television, and then he's playing this goofy principal. That, like you said, is like it, I just thought the character choices were so interesting um, because it makes you like everybody almost you know like maybe billy like you start to suspect but then who here was like oh it's not him when they supposedly kill him after having sex with uh with sydney you know what i mean like oh i thought he died right here hands raised and i and i felt terrible for judging him the entire movie thinking i was like yeah oh he wasn't the killer he was a good guy all along and he dies no like i felt speaking of that it's crazy. And speaking of that scene, Rob, that yeah. also goes back to that eyeline thing yes. that I was talking about earlier. He's like right before him and Nev Campbell, or sorry, right before Billy and Sydney 
decide to like have sex, they're like embracing, they're hugging, yeah. and like they're having an intense conversation about uh, Sydney's mom. And Billy kind of looks over to the side, and at first, like upon a first watch, you're just like, "Oh, he's a little distant. He's not yeah. feeling this in the moment." But then you realize, like, no, he's looking to make sure Stu is going into the closet or setting up where he needs to be. Right. And so that he can continue his plan. Which is an which interesting is, thing when you rewatch this movie, you really start to map out like, oh, like when you see Billy and when you see Stu, you kind of start to map out how they pulled the murders off into yeah, thinking like it was who's one doing killer. what? You kind of know who's doing what, which is interesting. But you know, you want to know something that I picked up this time that I never picked up before. When they're making out at the beginning, like when uh, Billy climbs into Sydney's window, right, and yeah. they're like making out, doing the over the clothes stuff. I remember hearing music to that, and I didn't realize it's "Don't Fear the Reaper." Whoa. That is crazy because it's yeah. like he's supposed to be like this reaper kind of looking killer. Yeah. I really wondered at that point, was that an actual artistic choice to represent that theme or was it just kind of, I don't know. I just I don't thought think, that was No way. Life. That is intentional. That had to be. That it was intentional. smart. It was intentional, but they didn't want anyone to pick it up. That's why it was a slow acoustic acoustic version that i mean when i heard that i was like this just opened up a new plane of existence in this movie that i didn't know was there <laughs> so that is that sound designer was like you know what down the line in like 26 years three friends are going to be talking about this movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys i want to like there's one thing that jumped out at me in the commentary that i wanted your guys's opinion on because yeah. it kind of blew my mind um wes craven said like I think he used the phrase young folks, but right. he was saying like essentially younger kids tend to think that like technology will be a savior of society. And he wanted to confront that in this, not to say that like the old ways are better, but just to say not to like explicitly trust technology because wow. technology is what caused the, or essentially the use of cell phones is what, helped all of these murders and it was like this hip era of like people are starting to get cell phones and pagers and being able to communicate yeah, it's like, yeah. isn't this great isn't this helpful but it's like no it can also be used to harm you and i yeah. thought that was just incredibly prescient well, and just like without getting too dark rob i mean wes was sort of right you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like yeah. look at social media and not to get too crazy. And, but like, look at the amount of mass shootings and teenagers and schools and all that stuff. Like ironically in a weird way, scream. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a slasher movie and it's fun, but like it sort of is ominous in a certain way of kind of what's happened. And he, he wasn't wrong. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. Like I, I said think without that, diving like, too deep into that because it's a fun podcast. Yeah, there's 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 two sides to a coin, but it's like anything that's really good doesn't mean it's all good, right? You know, and and I think you're right on the money there. And I just thought that that was such a because this I mean this commentary was recorded right after the movie was released. You know, it was for yeah. the DVD, so that's still twenty plus years old. It's crazy. I love oh, yeah. it. Yeah, man. No, me miss too. Wes Craven. I miss. I miss the nineties. <laughs> I do too, man. It was hey, a there's a VH1 television show. I should 
there you pointing go. out to. Yeah, right. Um, so <laughs> in the middle of the movie, we're starting to get in the middle of the movie, and like you know, the the killer is harassing Sidney Prescott, you know, and 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 it's it's uh, kind of becoming more and more prevalent, especially since uh, uh, since now she's like suspecting Billy. But um, one of my questions to you guys was the the bathroom scene. So when yes. she goes into the bathroom yes. scene. And yes, and she hears the cheerleader and and the cheerleader's friend talk about her. Yeah. Um, is the killer and her there? mom? Yeah. Is, but is the killer in the bathroom, or is that now? Is is she now uh, experiencing a psychosomatic, uh, uh, what uh, a trauma? Like manifestation. I, or yeah, I think it's supposed to be left to interpretation because, because nothing of the- happened after that. She runs out of the bathroom and no one goes. To, it's like, oh my god, the killer's in there. You know. Well, the thing about it is, remember there were the two students that were running around wearing the suits, right? Yeah. And Lillard's character's like, oh, it's like Christmas, you know, and all this comment, right? I wouldn't put it, I, I, this is my opinion. I think it's Billy because the boots and the jeans sort of match what he was wearing. And it's like, let me just mess with her a little bit. I'm not going to kill her here in school, but I can definitely hide and I can mess with her because we're going to kill her at this party uh, to, you know, so that the suspicion's off of me at one point. But I think it, it is Billy trying to torment her. But they leave it open to like it could have been a student, and it could have been it could have been the killer, and we threw in another scary moment for the audience. Yeah, that's exactly. what I think. Yeah, I found it really interesting that the producers made them throw in the killing of the principal because yeah, it was why like target him. That's exactly you. You and I were going for the same thing, Rob. Why kill the principal? Because <laughs> apparently there was about fifty pages without a death. Yeah, and they were like, yeah, we need to have something happen before this party at the end of the movie. Well, and I think it works too because remember he like they almost kind of make him look like he could be the killer with the scissors. Oh and yeah, he's talking to the, the team, and then you know he's being. I think it, the whole thing is that he wears the mask and he's being like cavalier with it, like Ugh, like he like grunts at the mirror. And I think they kill him to throw more suspicions. Like, well, who is this killer? Why could it have been one of these students that was wearing the suit? You know oh. what I mean? I think they also use it to kind of throw you off the trail for a little bit and gotcha. distract you. You know, like yeah, I love the amount of red herrings. That I love, I love how they threw Freddy Krueger in there. You know, that's oh, West, yeah. right? <laughs> I love how they yeah. is that. Is that's that West. Really that's West playing. <laughs> that's Cam- West Craven. Wes has amazing. two has two cameos in this. It's him as Freddy, Fred the janitor. Right. And yeah. in the opening sequence, he is the first one to run with the suit when he runs across and you first catch the glimpse. Of, oh, really? Of the, that is Wes in the suit. Uh, wow. Yeah. So he has two he has two cameos in it. He uh, and he's wearing the original Freddy Krueger costume, too. Is he? Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. With I like thought that wig. was really cool. And he's like, what yeah. you call me? <laughs> Sorry, Fred, not you. Yeah. Like, I thought that was hilarious, though, because he's not in He's a janitor, but he's dressed like a... He's dressed like Fred Krueger. It's a cool Easter yeah. egg, man. I, it really yeah, is. Yeah, I love that. Like, that's... Uh, I always, like, look at it, like, you know, I always pause it right there, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> who yeah. is that? Yeah. You know? And there is yeah. another really cool little moment like that, too, with, like, another Easter egg where Tatum is talking to Sydney, and they're talking a little bit about... 
you know, hey, maybe the rumors about your mom may actually be true or whatever. And then Sydney's like, well, I feel like, you know, she gets kind of ominous and like, she's like, well, if he's, he's maybe like he's going to kill me or whatever. And she's like, oh, shut up, Sydney. You're trying to sound like some Wes Carpenter movie or whatever. And, it, <laughs> and it's John Carpenter. Wes, I just thought that was kind of a neat little John Carpenter uh, nod yeah, yeah. To, yeah. to John Carpenter and, uh, you know, Wes being, you know, I think they, they were friends, right? Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of interesting. That moment really raised something in my mind as well because it feels like and it would be so hard for a teenager and a high schooler to do this but if sydney could accept the flaws of her mother um like cheating on her father and things like that she wouldn't she probably wouldn't be as blind to who's trying to kill her you know it's like if she could get over that hump and be like well maybe it's not this call uh um Colin Weary guy who I cotton. Yeah. If it's not cotton weary who I said killed her because of convenience, um, it actually might be someone else. And because my mom wasn't perfect. Well, you know know what, just to piggyback off of that, um, it's, it's almost like we usually at that, especially at that age, we're not grown up yet. We have our, we have this view of our parents. Right. being infallible you know what i mean and then once we start yeah. getting up there you know 18 19 20 years old then we start looking at the flaws of our parents you know well and remember uh maureen prescott in the movie is raped and killed so it is traumatic for that's yeah. true yes. for sydney to like believe all that especially because or even want to go there Right. And remember what we were talking about earlier, what you mentioned, Peter, it was like that, you know, we were looking at none of these teenagers came from like broken families. Like even Billy's dad looks like he's like some sort of successful guy in his suit. And this was like a wholesome town. This was a wholesome culture. This was these were wholesome teenagers that probably came from some sort of like decent backgrounds, like all the houses are nice and stuff like that. And that's what made this movie so appealing that like these horrific things are happening in the backdrop. So I think that Sydney just doesn't want to accept the fact that maybe her mother was not as wholesome as this town is supposed to presents itself. Yeah. Yeah. She's living in that illusion of like perfection. Yeah. Which I think kind of breaks her character arc and stuff. And I think it was a great, brilliant idea to have her start to have sex with Billy. The minute that Randy is explaining the rules yes. of how the horror movies work, which I thought was kind of interesting because I actually then remember looking at every horror movie, fishing out for those rules, you know? Yeah, yeah, I love it. And it's like, you know, speaking of wholesome towns, there's this crazy party in the middle right. of nowhere that <laughs> night. Uh, and like, yeah, so they're putting on the horror movies and Randy's like explaining the rules as this is going in, uh, going on upstairs with Sydney, like you were talking about, like, subverting our thoughts once again being like oh shit well i thought drew barrymore or i thought casey was definitely gonna live and she died so maybe sydney's gonna die too because she's broken the rule of having sex it's so Uh, funny too because at this point too the girl that i was watching the movie with jen jen goes hey maybe he's the killer because he knows all about (laughs) movies but Actually, no, wait, that's wrong. She actually suspects. So the funny thing is Jen called out who both killers were and she had never really? seen the movie. She not that she thought they were together, but she basically would always point the finger at Billy. And one of the things that she said was, it's him. It's so him. Why? And it was because Billy makes this comment. It's like life is all one big movie. Right. 
And she was like, yeah. see, he's talking about movies. And that's why he asked the questions. And so I was like, well, I mean, I, I was like, hey, listen, like movies is kind of like an overall underlying theme to this film. So everybody does it. Which is like, no, but it's, and then when Randy started doing the, these are the rules or whatever, I'm like, see, he's also talking about movies. And then I was kind of trying to throw her off the trail, but she stuck to her gut until Billy gets fake killed. Yeah. And then she suspected wow. Stew. Why is she? Okay, so what made her suspect <laughs> Stew? Because Stew says, I'll be right back and never comes back. I'm getting another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. Oh! Like, Shout to, out to Jen. Yeah. 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 I, I was trying that. to like really distract it because I was like, man, I really hope this doesn't ruin the end of the movie for her because <laughs> she called <laughs> it. <laughs> Uh, the the party finale though it's like what this was one of the longest finales that I've ever that I can remember. It, it took twenty one nights to film the final Jesus. sequence. No, of it's the a film. forty minute finale. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's it was long, you know. And like usually some finales, you know, they take about you know twenty minutes to finish up with. Right. You know, this one took. 40 minutes which is some kind of record i i gotta yeah like i was i remember just watching it the other day i was all like wow this movie just keeps on the finale just keeps going and going i don't remember it being this long you know like cindy goes into a car and she's being chased which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie by the way when like i'm pretty sure it's Stu. Uh, it is Stu because Billy's up up like when Stu like taps on the window with the knife because she can't get the car started And he taps on the knife and just dangles the keys in front of her or whatever. Like, I laughed so hard. I thought that was the coolest thing. And then he's just like, and I'm gone. And then, like, he just starts opening up. Everything. It was just such a good moment. He's man. a prankster. Like, yeah. He's well, really good. Yeah. You're going to, re- I think, like, Rob, after hearing the history of the Riven and when you started creating that, you're going to love this. Okay. Kevin Williamson, the writer, said that that scene was in the first horror script he ever wrote in high school. Wow. And when he was searching for something to add for that moment in the script, he's That's like, super neat. I'm going back through all the stuff I've ever written. He was like, this, this, the rest of this script, I don't really like, but I'm using this scene. I love it. And I thought so that good. was so cool. It just gives the movie more of that character that I was talking about, that it just has, it's unexpected. It's like, I wasn't expecting to laugh and feel funny, but like, I was just like, oh, I was nod to the killer on that one. That was pretty funny because at the same time, it makes fun of every stereotype, you know, of every stereotypical moment in a horror movie where someone's like, well, why don't you just start the car? I was like, at this point, she doesn't have the keys. I've got yeah. them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that was that was yep. a good moment. You know, like, that was pretty cool. It's the keys like weren't break- in the visor. Exactly. It's always like breaking that fourth wall, so to speak. Like, you know, like, ooh, you know, they did this in another horror movie. It's like, well, you know what? We're going a different direction in this that, one. You know? Exactly. And it was, it was, again, it was cool to watch it with someone that hadn't seen it before because I already know it so well. I mean, like, I, I don't feel any tension when I watch it anymore. Like, I really don't. Like, I just enjoy the ride. Uh, but I, Jen was like, run, bitch, run. Like, she was like, oh, tension. And she was like, but why? Like, don't stand there. Get in the car. Why would you get it? Like, she was just eating popcorns all over the floor. Everywhere. I that's mean, awesome. it was really cool because, and I think that's kind of why this rewatch of mine felt different because uh, I got to remember slightly oh, like, oh, this is, that's right. It was all this tension leading up to this yeah. grand finale when we finally find out. 
oh, it was Billy, but wait a minute, who's been in the suit the whole time? There's another killer. There's a second killer. That was mind blowing yeah. to me. So when when yeah when um when um Randy and Stu are approaching the house and she's got oh, the gun great. and, and then she great. shuts the door on them, it's like no, it's him, no, it's him, no, it's him, no, it's him. You know, I was all like, "Fuck you both!" Yeah, yeah I was I was thinking to myself, <laughs> maybe it's both of them. When I first watched this movie, I was like, maybe it's both Randy and Stu. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just at that point I remember thinking I really don't know who the kill. I like it could be Randy, it could be Stu. I don't, I don't know. Like I really don't know. Who Haven't it is. seen the police chief in a while. Yeah. Like when watching this movie, I had had some of it spoiled years and years before I had ever seen it by my older brother. Oh, I had no. completely forgotten what happened. What I remembered was that there's this scene of people stabbing each other in a kitchen. That's all I remembered from what he had told me. <laughs> By the way, that whole plan that they got is kind of fucked up. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, they're, fu- I mean, well, here's they're the thing. They're crazy. I, I bought uh, Billy being messed up. because Not he, so local. But like when Stu starts acting psychotic, I was like, whoa. But I remember being blown away by the performances in this movie at the end. Like that scene is so iconic. The two killers revealing their plan and then they stab each other. Granted, let's let's face it. Let's face it, Cindy. Your mom's no Sharon Stone. Yeah, because your mom (laughs) is no Sharon Sharon Stone. Oh, my God. (laughs) Stu steals this scene. Yes, he does. Like he is so good in it. It's a fun game, Sydney. See, we ask you a question, and if you get it wrong, you die. He's just so good. <laughs> He's so good. And man. I think I think uh, Stu, or I guess Matthew Lillard, was the only character that got to like, or or successfully got his ad libbed lines into the movie. Oh, really? And so, like Houston, we have a problem when the gun goes missing, yeah. and then. Uh, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but we're at the end. Yeah. You know, Sydney gets out of there and goes and hides from the guys. And when she calls them and says she's reported yeah. it to the police, oh god! And he's like, he's like, did you really tell my tell please? Call my parents are gonna be oh, so, so mad at funny. me. So funny. That is that was also an ad lib. They're like, we so can't good. lose that. No, it was so great for I. That is one of the most memorable Stu moments for me. By the well, way, well, the oh, thing yeah. is, is that you can't have everyone ad libbing. You know what I mean? You yeah. gotta have the the, yeah. the comedy relief can ad lib, but then everybody else has to stick to the script. Otherwise, it's gonna be all so over. So true. Place, you know? Yeah. So going back to that scene when they're stabbing each other, by the way. So again, I saw the unrated version, and I remember seeing like like Billy straight up stabs Stu, and like you see it all, like you see the stabbing, and then Stu's dripping a lot of blood. Which, by the mm-hmm. way, they used fifty gallons of fake blood in this movie. <laughs> Whoa! That's how like Shit. when the script was first written. Apparently, there was like a pro, like all the studios were like, "You're never gonna sell this script because it's just too violent and gory." Again, I didn't think that when I first watched it, but then I saw it on HBO maybe like two, three years ago, not more than that, like maybe like five years ago, and I was like, oh, I'm going to watch Scream, and then like I didn't see any of that stabbing that went on. You just hear it, and then they cut to Sydney's face, and I'm like, wait a minute, did HBO just edit the movie or whatever? I didn't realize that I had owned and had only watched the unrated version of this movie, and they actually did cut down the gore because it was way too intense for the theatrical cut. Wow. Yeah, and like that goes through like all the MPAA stuff. You know, they had to like shorten a half a second here and a half a second there, and a you know uh, the zoom in on Casey at the beginning hanging from the tree. Yeah, they just had to cut every other frame 
so that it was a faster zoom in. Which and it's is like, a nightmare for a director. I just gotta say, like when oh, you when I'm you're sure. pigeonholed like that and they're telling you to cut your movie, man, like it's just not a great uh, feeling at all. Yeah, you, I, I feel like um, I would feel that Wes Craven felt like. Uh, like Billy and say we we all we all go a little mad sometimes. He uh, <laughs> he probably did. You know they re I, I think they they cut this movie nine times. Damn. Before they got to the theatrical version of it, which is just crazy. Wow. To me. And I don't know about you guys, but I never when I watch Scream and even now, like maybe now that I'm a little older and we live in a different time where you know we have had such horrific acts of violence, especially amongst teenagers, like. But I never felt like this was possible. Like, I was like, this is a good horror oh, movie, yeah. and I believe the characters in this world, but this is a really far-fetched thing to happen. Like, these these teenagers that brutally kill people with knives and stuff. Like, like, it, like I knew that I was watching a horror movie, and it was fun for what it was. You know what I mean? Like, I never Absolutely. felt like, oh, now I'm, you know, getting programmed to want to like you know like i'm subconsciously thinking violent thoughts and go to like no like give me a break it's like blaming marilyn manson you know it's like none of these things are what's making anyone do or violent anything. video games you know like, yeah or yeah. violent video games it's insane guys this i love this fucking movie yes I'm and here. i love everything about it. i think that's pretty clear through everything i've said hey um, so i know we're going on a little bit longer today but i really want to hear a story that ties to this movie individually to each one of you guys. Like, like if that, because like, I definitely have totally. a really cool story. I feel like you have a really cool story, Rob, Peter, I'm sure you probably have something you want to say about it too. So I would love to hear one of your stories tied to scream. Cause it was such a cultural phenomenon, you know? Well, I will tell you the, the thing that really made me want to watch scream. Okay. I told you, I, I, my brother had shared, uh, about this movie before I had seen it and I, I had forgotten some things, but I had a very close relationship with my brother. You know, mm -hmm. our dad worked nights, you know, we spent a lot of time together and unfortunately he's no longer with us. So I think this strengthens the oh, memory. Yeah. I appreciate that. But like, um, it's one of those things that like a brotherly bond, I'm sure we can all at least imagine, our audience can imagine, is something big, especially when they're pretty close to you. Yeah. But I was in junior high when my brother was in high school, and he went for like after prom to go see Scream in 96. Wow. It was his senior year. And the next day, he was just like, Robert, I you might be too young. Dad's never going to let you see this movie but I just need to tell you about it. And he in our kitchen on like a Saturday, right. you know, making a sandwich. And he was just like, and like, and then they're at the video store and this guy's like freaking out because he's just like, he knows how horror movies work. <laughs> and then, so cool. you know, like, as I don't know any of these characters, I don't know. He's like, and then there's this scene at the end where these like killers are trying to get away with it, but they're like cutting each other. And like my brother like pulls out a butcher knife and he's just oh, like, wow. and it's just like, He's like, and it looks like our kitchen. And I was like, oh my God. You know? Damn. It was just such an ingrained memory that uh, like the cool. chance, the first time I was able to like get my hands on this VHS tape, I was like, this is like a connection for me. And this is a movie that's going to shape like why I like horror movies. You know, it's, it, I'm about to turn 36 and it really like, it really is one of those things in my years where I come back to it's like that is a moment 
of why I love horror movies. You know, and it comes back to my family, and it and it's it's crazy. That's cool, to man. That's really cool. Think of it in retrospect. Thanks. Yeah. You know where I bought my VHS copy of Scream One and Two, which was like a double decker box. <laughs> Where? I bought it at Suncoast, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, but I remember, like, you know, Scream was like, like I said, it was like a period in my life. Like, you know, like I was, I, I moved, so I watched it in Latin America. I moved back to the States. I was like, it was weird because it was like so culturally like accurate. Like, like when I would go to the Halloween stores in the mall and I would buy the fake blood and like all the stuff to, to make my movies and like, you know, all this cool stuff. Uh, my cousin uh, was living with us at the time because he wanted to learn English better, uh, and he was living with me for a year. And his brother, who I guess at the time might have been like 12 or th- yeah, like 12, 11 or 12, you know, uh, my cousin Alfredo and I were like big on making movies together. We had kind of like a brotherly bond, even though we were, uh, you know, we were first cousins and all that stuff. And uh, his brother came to visit him. And we were talking about Scream, and he's like, oh, yeah, I've been... Uh, Diego was like, oh, I've been dying to see this movie, right? So, ironically enough, another one of my cousins who was living in Philadelphia had come in. We're all in the house. Like, we lived in this kind of very, you know, Americana, urban, like, like sorry, like, country-style house. Uh, we're like, all right, let's watch Scream or whatever. So, uh, I remember Alfredo and I had to do our homework. Diego and my other cousin go upstairs to watch it. My other cousin was a lot older than us. He was like, I think he was like 20 at the time or 19 or whatever. Um, And I I kid you not, Diego comes down after the opening scene, the first five minutes, and he's just like, nah, man, that movie's for crazy people, right? (laughs) So, So after that, He's like, you know, we're getting late and my other cousin Juan comes down. He's like, hey, listen, um, do you have the costume? I want to scare Diego tonight. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I gave him the costume and he's like, hey, Diego, go brush your teeth. And he shuts all the lights out. Right. And we're in our room just kind of doing homework or whatever. And we hear him like brushing his teeth and like singing and stuff. And then we just hear like, like this uncontrollable screaming (laughs) that was just like and we're like holy shit he scared the fuck out of it we go at diego's pale white like he traumatized this poor kid after what so i mean i'll never forget that story just because it was like he couldn't even look at the mask for like days after has he has he seen the movie since oh yeah yeah i mean like diego's now in his (laughs) his, uh, uh early 30s so you know he has kids and stuff like that but like it was just a really. He shows it to them. Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe, I don't know. But uh, but every time I tell that story, he always laughs. And he's like, "You bastard," you know. But uh, it was just so funny. cool, man. I just remember that being a funny staple with it. But uh, yeah, apparently, still That's ultra awesome. scary. So, what about you, Peter? The way I looked at Scream when I was younger, I always envisioned, um, you know, because I, I come from a very different, uh, very different area of the world, and you know, it's hotter and. And when I look at look at something from the from a TV screen, I always envision what would it be like to live in 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 that part of the world. You know, whether it's Van, whether it's Vancouver or Eastern uh, Northeast uh, United States, I always envision like, okay, what what is what would it be like over there? Is it cooler? Is it warmer? You know, that's that's the impressions I got. So much more 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 so than um than the actual you know. Uh, <laughs> killings in the movie you know what i mean i was more fascinated with suburban small town america than i was with the actual you know the the actual plot of the story although i loved the plot of the story and it was great you know uh yeah i was more in, in infatuated with that aspect of the whole of the whole film that is interesting because yeah. 
I wouldn't have imagined that. You know, I grew up in suburban middle America, so it like a lot of this felt like home yes. to me. Yeah, there you go. You it's know, you, for both of you, both of you, Robs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess when I was in Latin America, I could I could see that because I really loved American culture. Yes, I was born in the United States, and I remember there living when I was like you know like up to like three four years old, and then we moved to Latin America. So every time I watched like TV shows or anything like that that had that slice of Americana, it hit home because I wanted to be back in the states, and I think that's why Scream got me so well because then when i did move back it was like living in like that world you know what i mean so I, you're right yeah. i did get to experience that peter it's, it's a really good observation yeah well thank you wow well dudes i'm sure we could talk for another three hours on screen oh god yes <laughs> but man maybe we'll have to do scream redux next halloween um, or we could do Scream but, 2 next Halloween. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, I like that too. I like that too. Yeah. Um, but guys, I think uh, if you don't have any other thoughts, should I uh, take it home? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. Well, this has been Magical at the Movies with Rob and Rob. We want everyone listening to know that we thank you so much for the support we've been getting so far. And we really appreciate you sticking with us. This is one of the funnest months for us to have a theme through and if you'd like us to review other horror movies or just a movie that you love head on over to apple podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review let us know what you want to hear it's it's great as of this recording we are like a week away from launching this podcast so we know that you guys are going to be there for us and we appreciate it Hell yeah. um yes continues to be my favorite day of the week guys Me so too. thanks same, again same, same here and it's always cool to kind of revisit new movies and everything like that like I will say this week, just because of Scream, it's reignited this new passion in my filmmaking that like, I almost felt like had been distant and uh, it's now come back. So I thank oh, you guys yeah. for being for bringing that out of me through this podcast. And thanks to everybody listening, guys. Like We really appreciate it as always. So Yeah, I, I, awesome. I have the same thoughts. Uh, thank you guys for, for doing this podcast with me because like, it's kind of reignited my passion for movies too. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, because of everything that we're going through, it's, um, it's hard to get, you know, really passionate about stuff. But now I'm like, oh my God, I, I, I can't wait to do another movie. That's what I'm hankering for. It's like to produce <laughs> another movie. Yes. Seriously. Well, we can yes. only hope that this fuels more people to love the movies that we love and that they keep watching the ones that we're watching. And hopefully this keeps the conversation going guys. So pleasure, absolute pleasure guys. All right, well, I'll see you all next week. Absolutely. That's good. For Rob and Rob, I am Peter Madrigal signing off. Woo!